All right, welcome to cardauthority.com.au. It is the podcast that Australian card lovers love. Well, we hope they do anyway. Well, they have to, that's right. Just making sure I've got some sound here. Yeah, we do. Fantastic. Jenks, good to have you back on board. And you, great to be here. It feels like it's been a very long time between episodes, but it's only been, what, about... A week and a half, two weeks. Uh, two weeks. I think last two time weeks. we did was just before the release. Hello to family, Jack, Robert and Mason. Good day to you boys. Ashley Elmer, nice little gesture you had before. Very nice, Ash. Yep. Good day, Sherry. Excellent. Captain McMahon. Ahoy, McMahon. You're Ahoy. Looking, you're looking very bright there, James. Oh, it's going to be the new lighting in the studio here. I don't know. I'm not sure that I really want to be in the solarium. But anyway, um, you take my notes. That's my notes. That's right. That's your notes. All right, guys, look, obviously, it's been, it's been a good week and a half here. G'day, everyone. Everyone's piling into the stream. Thanks for coming on board. Um, release week. It's been a week and a half now, I guess, since Optimum 2021 has come out. Yeah. Um, overall, fantastic product, fantastic sentiment all round. I think Select have done a brilliant job with this one. Um, I'll wind back a little bit because even though it's only been eight days or nine days, it feels like it's been forever yeah um so last monday boxes started to arrive everyone started to get stuck you know your camera is annoying me a little bit janks there we go that's better um but it started to arrive some really big ticks about execution everyone's been very critical obviously of um shipping and logistics with select in the past yeah we were all expecting on a thursday and then you know they brought it for, through forward a couple of days yeah. and change the methodology of actually having a shipping date rather than a release date. I think overall the sentiment there was really, really strong. Yeah. People could choose their shipping options. They seem to get the product. More people seem to get it around the same time. I know certainly from us at the shops. Yeah. Um, everyone sort of got it at the same time, which is it, it felt that way. Look, geographical yeah. location always has of course, there's always impacts, some challenges. but it yep. didn't seem like people were getting product weeks apart or even more than, you know, one or two days apart, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. completely agree. So dispatch seemed to be really good. And the, the, the upgrade was really good that they did. As yeah, well. that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, obviously we hit a little bit of a logistical nightmare where uh, fast track and Australia post hit the brakes two or three days before it. Yeah. And, um, Good on Select for upgrading everyone that was on Express to Fast Track. Yes, because they were actually able to lock that in and getting to people in time. So I think there's been some really good things about the release. Um, obviously, boxes started opening a hand. You know, we were lucky enough to pay, you know, we paid the $70 shipping. We did the $70 shipping got and, it and it paid off. Yeah. Three hours or four hours, I think. Uh, it was by 10 a.m. We got the notification very early in the morning. Yeah, like 6 a.m. was live by lunchtime. So that was great. Which was brilliant. So, um, you know, I certainly know opening the product, I've never been a huge Series 2 fan, um, you know, which we've talked about previously before with Dominance. But as a breaking product, it's amazing. As a collecting product and as a speculation product, yeah, I think they've nailed some things really, really well. Yeah. How, before we sort of break down into the different aspects of it all, how did you, or how's your first take of the week and a half been? So it's been pretty huge, obviously. Um, for me, it's been a little bit different this year to what it's been for previous series too, just because we've obviously got so much going on in the hobby now. Yep. Um, and both from a collecting standpoint, from the card authority standpoint, and obviously from the business side of things with RGB. Yep. Um, 
but it just feels like it's been huge. It's been explosive, but it's been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, I agree. which seems to be a, a big turning point almost for the hobby. Maybe that every release, it seems like the emotion that comes with a new release and something you know within a hobby and something collectible you see a lot of that negative sentiment really permeate early throughout and we just didn't see it this time around i felt like people opened product and it was just positive after positive after positive yep. and whether that was the cards themselves or what people felt they were getting out of the boxes value for money wise um, the breaks, the excitement, just, I, I don't know. I just feel like the hobby maybe hit a big turning point a week ago with this release in terms of sentiment and, and a real, we've seen a, a big shift in that direction. Do you think, do you think there's a small aspect of, and we've seen a shift with certainly prestige where with the new direction that clearly select is going in where they're trying to get more product directly to the customer. You know, do you think there is less people now missing out on stock? Than perhaps a year ago yeah because oh, and it's it's a funny thing because it, there's more people participating yeah but there's actually less missing out so that's almost like two things have been fixed there one is how you get the product out to the people yeah and two is managing the influx of new people whilst not letting the ratio go the other direction of the amount of people missing out so i'd say like on a percentage basis far less people are missing out now to what they were 12 months ago where product was still selling out on release, but there were different mechanisms in place, I suppose, to how they were selling out. So Sure. And obviously, look, you know, as you mentioned before, we've got some different ventures in all the different spaces. You know, all the shops pretty much haven't got as much stock as they would like to have got. Yeah. Um, do you think that <clears throat> if they continue on this trend, it's like, you know, we use the word flipper a little bit. There definitely seemed to be a little bit more of that happening this release. After sale, boxes went up on eBay really quickly. Sure. But still, it feels like 95% of people that wanted to buy boxes either got it through SEC or got it through their order yeah. and were fairly content. Yeah, or, or, got, or, or seem to have got it somehow and have been content. Like, yep. you know, certainly you and I, we see a lot of the rhetoric, a lot of the chatter, a lot of the posts that are going on. Well, there's plenty of people that I saw saying that they missed out that were then on day one or day two posting photos of cards for trade or what they yep. hit out of their boxes. And so clearly people found a way to, to get it in the end. And in terms of the community measurements that we look at, you know, with, with Good Vibes and the other Facebook communities, which is a very, you know, a, a under the microscope collector base, I suppose, is that those people aren't really the ones buying them off eBay for double the price. They're people that sure. are either getting them off select or they have a relationship with a retailer or a reseller or whatever it is. So look, I, I think at this point, there's very few people that right now are, that I'm, I'm certainly aware of that are saying that they missed out. Yeah. And if they missed out, it's going to be due to some sort of circumstances that they couldn't acquire it at the time, you know, on, on release or whatever it is. Yeah. And I definitely think too, that there was, a clear there, there were orders that were being cancelled clearly yeah you know everyone likes to use the term you know bots taking all this product but it actually feels like the bot mitigation yeah and the duplicate orders and the questionable orders you know we obviously hear plenty of things through good vibes and stuff like that yeah lots of people not only got orders cancelled some incorrectly that were then 
fixed, reinstated. reinstated. Yeah. But also, we noticed for a couple of days the amount of people that would say, I finally just got I one just or two got, boxes. Yeah, two, three days after I got, which, I got boxes. Which was brewing. And the indicator of that is that, you know, we have a pretty good technical understanding of how e-commerce works, how especially the Shopify backend system works and everything with inventory. It's, and we talked about it extensively in the previous episode as well. It's yeah. very apparent to us, as it would be to other people, that they were constantly cancelling orders. Yeah. It was ongoing. They were picking off what they found to be erroneous orders, people who had either cheated the system or used technology or whatever it may be to break the rules yep. in the purchasing, and they kept reinstating those. And what it looked to be happening was the people who had genuinely missed out were picking off those boxes, and okay. that's exactly what we want to see. So absolutely big pat on the back for that. But you know, make no mistake, during this episode, there's some things we're going to criticise them about as well, but sure. on a very broad level, smashed it out of the park. Yep. I'm the one that wrote the post for Card Authority, the Hyde post yesterday and today, and I stand by what I wrote in that post. This is the biggest series. This is the biggest release since Supremacy 2019. <coughs> it's bigger than Brilliance. It's the biggest release. It's different to Brilliance, but in my opinion, it is the biggest release, as I think Adam Leaker said in the comments just there before as well, it had something to cater for everyone. Sure. It, okay. it, it, there, there's something for everyone in it. If you don't want to spend the big bucks, you can chase the subsets, the 455 sets, or even the parallel set, or, or whatever it is that you want. If you want to go big, this has all the cards to go huge on. You know, it's just yep. it, it, new players, older players, representation, just like, uh, as you said, speculation. I think it's mega loaded. Is it too loaded? Possibly. Hmm. Possibly. What does the future hold? I want to know as much as everyone else because where do you go from here with the Series 2? Well, let's have a look at some of the, you know, dive into a little bit of the set. Obviously, everyone knows what's out there. Um, but, you know, certainly a couple of things that we talked about. Um, well, look, you know, there's a few people mentioned it. Let's talk about the Easter egg first of all. Yeah. Um, the gold headline, yep. numbered to 25. Um, ironically, well, not ironically, by pure chance, Minx opened a box here after he yeah, did our live stream. And he hit a uh, Kennedy. Kennedy. Kennedy it was a Kennedy. Yeah, it was a Kennedy. Um, tweet, but we didn't know what it was at that point in time because no information was out. Yep. Fair to say, AJ pulled out the shoe phone and got yeah. straight on the horn. Why? Well, I, I sent an email and sort of waited with bated reply of what's going on, and then we all saw the the Lynn video explaining what it was. Um, I guess we always thought it was a stacked release. Personally, I was like, phew. No big dusty cards this release. Yep. Gonna save some money and then bang. Yeah. They pull out a dusty number to 25, which he has no cards that small. Yeah. So um I thought it was a fantastic initiative. Yeah. The card itself is beautiful. It's a stunning looking card. It's it's a fantastic card, and in hand, it's just amazing. Did they execute that well? Like do you think there are things that they could learn from in the future? Yeah. That, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about numbering and how many cards and, you know, what works for team set collectors. You know, 25 has been reserved very much for booklets and supremacy, some premiership Brownlow double signatures. Yeah. Um, how does a non-sig number to 25, how will that age in the future? Well, it's going to be really interesting. So... 
I love the concept of slipping something in that people aren't aware of and doing it after the promo run and after the publicity run. Yep. I think that's really cool and a really cool concept. I support the notion of cards to 25, not really lower though in terms of AFL, in my opinion at this point in time. I've been a huge fan of the previous cards number to 25. Um, the booklets, the premiership round low doubles, and of course the green signature variation from 2017 Future Force. The difference with all three of those and what they've done in this release is all three of those were signature cards. Yep. And to me, giving something numbering to 25 and it not being a signature or not being a relic or a patch or something, mm-hmm. yep. something unique of some sort, I think it almost takes away a little bit from the rarity of the card itself and the notion that it's only numbered to 25. As a team collector or player collector, you've still got to get one. And as a result, you're going to pay a premium based on, on the basic economics of supply and demand because there's only 25 of them. Yep. Would I prefer to be paying the premium for something that was signed or more significant? Absolutely. But in general terms, do I like the idea? I do. I, I do. I like what they did. The card is really nice. It scares me a bit that it's numbered to 25 and it's not something more significant. So... Obviously, there's a marketplace at the moment currently for booklets and things like that yeah. that we've talked about in Supremacy that are numbered to 25. What does this do for the pricing of a card like that? Obviously, they've come out of the gate very quickly. I think day one, we saw a Tip and Woody. And first of all, let me say, I thought the player selection on them was perfect. Yeah, really good. But absolutely nailed the player selection. Yeah. Um a Tip and Woody selling for $3,000, and we'll get on talking about Essendon a little bit later, but that, to me, for a non-SIG card, seems a crazy price. Like That's absolutely that's, that's dusty kind of range. Yeah. And as a dusty collector, I'm not sure I would pay $3,000. Yeah. And I don't think there is 25 other dusty collectors that would pay $3,000. Well, and, and that's one of the big things here is... is a release like this with so many significant cards in terms of numbering and such huge chases and perceived value is, well, there's always the factor of how much money do people actually have to spend and how many people are there that can pull the trigger at certain price brackets. And I think that's something that a lot of people fail to take into account. Talking about specifically the headliners and cards numbered to 25 and, and making those comparisons, well, what's interesting here is as someone who's opening a product and then has the intent to go and sell a card or sell a card to buy a card or whatever it may be, you know, we always talk about the the most basic way to value something is to look at that. that, That's a new product is to make comparisons from things that may have been there in the past. Sure. So I think immediately people very much have tunnel vision to this card or this subset of cards saying, because it's numbered to 25, well, it's got to have a value range of the other cards that are numbered to 25, which are those, you know, most previous, most recently the booklets from Supremacy and the Premiership Brownlow Double Signatures. However, I don't think people are taking into account the physical nature of the card as well and the potential, or not the potential, the desirability or the collectability of that card within your own collection. So... For example, it's hard for you as a Dusty collector because Dusty hasn't previously, there hasn't been many Richmond cards in that numbering. There's an Alex Rance booklet, but yeah. you know you didn't have a Premiership Brownlow double signature, whatever. But for me, for example, well, I, I know that my Ross Smith Premiership Brownlow double signature from Supremacy or my Nick Rewatt booklet 
if I put those two with my Jack Steel gold headliners, no matter how much I love Jack Steel, it still doesn't stand up against those other two cards sure. purely on the basis of its numbering. So to me... But can you compare... Well, uh, like, we know how much the hobby has changed in two Absolutely, years. and we have and, to make that adjustment. And, yeah. and again, someone made a comment, I think it was Anthony Gat there, but um, scarcity or, or rarity is the significance, James. Yeah. So does that mean by creating things that are rarer, it's going to push the price up? But if there's no one that's going to pay that price, is it, you know, and we've already seen so, a bit so, of a slide. Yeah, so you this know. is the big question, is something undervalued or overvalued at any point in time versus the market? Yep. So I would say, okay, well, if a Tippem Woody, uh, you know, let's use that as the, as the exa example. If a McDonald Tippem Woody headliner is a $3,000 card because it's numbered to 25, well, how much should the supremacy booklet be worth, notwithstanding it's Joe Danaher, but what, what, would you, what should the James Heard, one of the absolute legends of the club, has a premiership Brownlow double signature on a 130-point stock with all the foil press and yep. all the other bells and whistles. Huge, the card. Number to 25, massive card. Well, if the tip and wood is 3,000 and you can get the Heard for 3,000, is the herd undervalued against the rest of the market or is the tip and woody overvalued against the rest of the market? And does that mean the next herd that changes hands is actually going to be pricing pricing that factor or factoring that in sure. to the pricing? And therefore, does that go for 4,500 or 5,000 because it's actually a better, physically a better card? Sure. It represents an someone that has had the achievements as opposed to trying to factor in the future achievements, you know? And I guess that's where we look at this speculation aspect of it, which we'll talk a little bit about with the DPSs in a second. But for someone that's been involved trying to, I've actually purchased one of those James Herds on behalf of someone. Yeah. I'm not going to reveal the price on air, but I mean, it was in that range of what the tip and Woody was. So, you know, does that mean that the SIGs are undervalued, which we have been saying for ages. Six in general are signatures Absolutely. in AFL in particular are ridiculously, ridiculously undervalued. So maybe a James Heard signed by 25, was 25 of them signed, maybe that is a $5,000 card. And then it, it suddenly pulls it's, the whole market As up. we always say, it's worth what someone's prepared to pay. Of course. But how does someone rationalise? If the person that bought if the person that someone that buys a tip and woody for three thousand dollars now mm -hmm. if they've only just joined the hobby and they pay 3k for that card now and then all of a sudden in the, the next gap between releases they want to start backlogging sets is there an expectation that they're paying double that for the james hurt uh, that, that's the whole thing here i don't it's very hard to say because yeah. we're in an interesting time now where there's such an influx of people and what the current market price comes out at is what is what new collectors or new participants perceive to be the current benchmark price sure but what any previous collectors or previous people that have been around will say well that's the high price at the top of the market so it, it's it's very hard to under like it's very hard to get a read on this at the moment and, and it's going to take more time to do it but we're certainly seeing it very much with DPS as a previous series now and rookie cards and stuff cool. starting to elevate in price because the new marketplace is so high in price as well. So, look, we'll move on from the headliner in a sec, but just one final point. If, yeah. As much as it's a beautiful card and, you know, I'm very lucky I've got a dusty one, as you've got a steel one as yep. well, um, we love them. 
what could Select have done to that card, not putting a signature on it, to make it probably a little bit more special or justified for that well, number? I think the biggest challenge is because it's a Series 2 foil-packed product, yep. you, you can't go and put something at the 130-point or 180-point or metal boarded or gold boarded or a relic card or a patch card or anything like that how do you put it into a product so maybe it actually redemption redemption so redemption would be yeah. the way to go so they could have done a a redemption card that gets you back more of a memorabilia piece a memorabilia card does that then tread on the toes of supremacy sure but then you know that that's but this is where i think releases can start to cross a little bit okay do you know so, what I mean? I don't see an issue with that because otherwise you get to a point where how can you further innovate a product if you're limited on the basis that you have this psychological barrier that you don't want to do anything more than 35 point or 50 point yeah. in a packet or you don't want to go And that is that. the beauty of the redemption process. That's the beauty of the redemption process. It could be anything. Okay. What about like if they'd made it a, a metal card or something with more significant value and again you know that's going down the redemption path yeah if say it was a metal card with gold etching or something like that like a like amex or a, yeah whatever like that and that was your redeemable card would that change your valuing of that product versus a traditional cardboard it, card it would in the context that for me personally like i feel like more has gone into it to make it a unique piece uh, you know, for, trading cards are trading cards, but they also fall into the memorabilia category. Of course. They're an item of memorabilia. On-card signatures are so much more important than sticker autos. I'm not a big collector of other sports, but I certainly would not be investing or buying or collecting cards with sticker autos. It's not my, it's not because I, I feel like what's well, been, it's been, you know, signed on a piece of tape that can be stuck on any item. Whereas a player has physically held these cards and signed them, or the company's gone through the process to create something super unique that can't just be replicated and printed on a printer. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course. That, and, that, and again, but like, the technology's also improved. Absolutely, it's a lot more accessible. Sure, sure. It's a lot easier to sure. do that stuff. Like, that's right. Yeah. And here's the thing: like, I'm not having a go. I like the headliner card. Don't so get, do I, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm I like it. Trying to I'm just trying for me as well is to rationalize in my mind. So in real terms, the Jack Steels, I've seen the Jack Steels go from $800 to $1,300. That's where, yep. I've, that's where I have seen actual sales take place. Yep. Rewind back to 2019, booklets in the first seven days of release for St Kilda, Nick Rewalt booklets, three to $400. Sure. Okay, let's go, all right, let's factor in participation rate and go, since 2019 to now, we know the hobby's grown about 300%. I, it's hard to compare those two. It's, uh, it's hard to compare. It's, it's, you've got to remember. And okay, but it's grown 300%. Hear me out, hear me out. It's grown right. 300%. Right. So I'm going to say then, okay, on that basis, if the Nick Rewalt card, if there's three times as many people now participating in the hobby, Yep. The card that was $300 in 2019, well, realistically, it should be $900 to $1,200. Okay. Okay? So it, that is ranging at the exact same price in real terms now as to where the Jack Steel Gold card is. But as I said, in my opinion, the Jack Steel Gold card, aside from the fact it's number to 25, there's nothing else that stacks it up against Supremacy, the 25. 
So if they did headliners again next year, because Slack generally have a trend of doing releases two years in a row. Yeah. And they do another number to 25 replicate headliners, different player choice. Yeah. Do you think that's a, a bust or a boom? I, no, but, well, I think it still works because they've already put it to market. But we probably know that there's going to be a supremacy somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know, we've all seen enough leaks. Yeah. Um, if you then got supremacy, which is a higher price product, does that mean then when they release another number to 25 card, yeah, it helps it? Or is there something Yeah, that... again, like I don't have an issue with the card itself. So I would welcome them releasing it again to keep the continuity and, and to keep the consistency. My issue is not with the card. My concern is the price levels and what it is, and again, is trying to understand, well, are we still looking at Supremacy 2019 and going, geez, that is still so undervalued against the current market of 2021. Absolutely. It's still, I, I, I personally think it's, it's undervalued. And that's what I'm yeah. trying, to, trying to figure out here is, are these new prices, is this the new benchmark level? So does that mean supremacy 2022, which we hope is uh, 2021, which is hopefully coming this year, do, does that mean that those are gonna open up at something we've never ever seen before? I something we're not used to? I'm gonna take a stab in the dark and say that Supremacy 2021, when it comes out, Supremacy 2, is going to be an absolute shit show. Yeah. You know, booklets, yeah. say say a Jack Steele booklet, yeah. all right? Straight out of the gate, get 5K ready. Whether it's whether it sells for that, the prices are just sure, going to be... But this, but this is the whole thing is, well, it's all good and proper. I, I don't even want to think if it was but, a dusty booklet. Know, but, but here's the thing, the, like, you know, we're talking about perceived value. Sure. The value of something, it's it's all good and proper to put a price on something. Sure. But if there's no sell, it's going to be able to sell. Of course. If no one has the money to actually buy it, yeah. then then what happens? You've got the stalemate where the seller can sit there forever for mm-hmm. eternity and 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 wait for inflation to take its course and eventually it sells, or that the price has to come down. And it, it then begs the question of, and what you know, it's been really interesting for us in our internal discussions is, it begs the question of how much money is actually out there and how many people have that sort of money to buy cards. And I personally believe even $1,000 is a restrictive price point. It's a barrier. Each team, and and it's all reflective on a per capita basis of their collector bases, that each team only has a very limited amount of people in AFL cards that are prepared to actually pull the trigger at price levels of $1,000 plus. Sure. I don't, you know, dusty cards go for crazy money. It blows my mind because I personally don't, I don't think. You laugh at me all the time. No, but I don't think there's 25 Tiger supporters that can afford to pull the trigger at 2000 plus on a dusty card. Yeah. Or not, not even afford that would be willing to pull the trigger at that price. I, I, I'm clearly getting proven wrong at the moment. So like, that leads to a nice segue. And again, this one's not planned. What's something I've noticed in this release, and we saw a little bit of it in Prestige, is not only a lot of trades happening, yeah. these big cards versus big cards, yeah. but we've seen the rise of big cards for boxes. Yeah. And do you think that as this has happened with the gold cards um, and also some influentials like Sam Walsh Influential, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, they are booming. People are offering sealed boxes, which yeah. have an inflated price already. You know, they've effectively doubled in cost. Yeah. You know, five, six hundred dollars you can buy them for now. 
say in supremacy, do you think it's going to be the situation that when I pull a Jack Steele booklet and you say, no, Andrew, I'm not going to pay you $3,000, but I'll give you four boxes of supremacy. Yeah, I, I said, so it's certainly becoming a thing and it's trending towards what's happening with international, both sports cards and gaming cards yeah. over the last couple of years where because there's so much demand at a secondary market level for the cards itself, it's then reflected in the box price. Obviously, you add in the periphery stuff like breaks and other forms of, of how cards are consumed now. Yep. And it all adds to that. Boxes have a value, which is it's no longer just about what you will extract from a box on a minimum basis. It's about what you have the potential to hit in a box. Of course. Yep. So, so you, you, you're, you know, people are paying for the chance to hit in poker terms to hit the nuts. Yep. You're paying for the chance to hit the nuts although you know that you're probably unlikely to still hit the nuts. Yep. Probably something that's changed now with this particular release is that the box is so loaded with middle and low end cards that the money, it's, it's no longer that the best cards make up 80% and the rest make up 20%. It's now the best cards make up 40 to 50% and the rest of what comes out of the box makes up the, the other 50%, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, and, and, that, yeah. and, that, and that ties in with the speculation stuff, which is a great way for us to have a planned pivot. Yeah. DPSs have been a big feature in this release. Um, you know, there is multiple from different teams. They've done it a little bit differently this year where all 59 draft picks have got a card. Yeah. Um, and there's three variations. So yeah. Some teams like Collingwood, Adelaide, GWS, Essendon all have like three, four or five of them, yeah. um, which opens up a huge headache for team collectors. Absolutely. But also huge speculation. And I noticed Tom Powell from North Melbourne was on the stream before, and obviously Tom's a card collector and, well, he's in this draft league this year. Yeah. Um, so, Great, Tom, if you're still watching I'm out there, enjoying the show, good Tom. to have you in the community. Great um, to see players collecting. But it's fantastic to see that speculation angle of, these signatures, again, we keep saying they're undervalued, but there is something that people can gamble or speculate on for next year about which one of these players from whatever team is actually going to succeed. Yeah. The Platinum DPSs, we have said multiple times, are a beautiful card. They look great. You know, if you find a player that's going to do well, they're going to be... As I've described it to people, yeah. num number to 40 and the signature, some of these guys will become potential superstars. Sure. Look at, look at what they're selling for in the market. Look at it compared to an influential, which is number to 40. And I think it starts to answer itself, really. Yeah. Previous series of DPSs, we, are, we know as AFL collectors and people who have been in the AFL scene prior to just this year, DPSs and rookies can present some of the future superstars who you want a PC. Sure. Yeah, absolutely fair enough. We have a huge influx of NBA, Pokemon, NFL, international card collectors moving into AFL. We have seen the biggest ever influx of those types of people start to transition over this two-week period, and we absolutely see it in real terms through all our network and our pages because we the questions are obviously there when people join up, where they're coming from and whatnot. We know that historically, international sports card collectors 
it's all about rookies and draft players and it's all about future speculation and yep. getting in on those cards early whether timing's coincidental or they planned it that way this was the perfect release at the perfect time Great. for it to happen because of the way collecting and speculation and in the market and, maturing, and market maturing yep. and the market starting to shift um so uh, do you need me to block anthony gack here tom powell will be better than jack Steele. joe ruse i'm not going to say anything because i know powell's probably uh, still tuned into the show but tom if it's your first show i'm very sorry mate <laughs> i'm gonna go steal at the moment but i hope you can become as great as the great man at some point in the near future you're very young still but just, i'm sure you got that just block out. <laughs> um, um but look what, what i was going to get to is at the end of the day research is everything people if, you, if you're here and you're prepared to spend your time tuning into a podcast like this yep. you should also be prepared to spend your time understanding how you're spending your money on trading cards yep the coppers are the equivalent of the dps's from dominance 2019 and dominance 2020. yep look at some of the players who have started to come through from those rookie crops look at the value of those dps cards and they are the equivalent of the copper cards in terms of rarity and numbering. So let's even look back two years and you look at the draft league of um, Bay uh, Bailey Smith, Bailey Smith, Max King, um, Walsh, Walsh, yeah. and uh, Quain or, Quain or, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, so those DPSs, if you can find them, are three to five hundred dollars and they're effectively a copper yeah but just imagine at the time i was obviously around for the releases of those mm -hmm. depending on which player it was they were going for between 30 and you could pick up a walsh early for about 80 bucks 70 bucks yep. even cheaper that was the top of the market bailey smith's young capitan was picking those up i remember we were having a bit of a race him and i we went to the footy one night together to see doggies and st kilda and it was in the opening week of dominance and we were both sitting there buying kings and and bailey smiths and they were 40 50 cards 30 cards at the time yeah look at how hard they are to find now yeah and, you know we discussed last episode it used to take 12 months for cards to dry up it's happening now in weeks or months at best yep. you know what i mean so the coppers are a reflection they're the same numbering everyone can do the maths i don't need to really spell it out here cards to 85 and to 40 they're going to be pretty hard to find i think I think it's fair to say they're going to be very, very hard to find. So viewers out there that are lucky on the show, that's uh, <laughs> a little bit of a sneaky tip there from James. That's, that's my, tip, my tip of the week. Make sure you keep checking them out. If you want to look at cards that are undervalued, look at the six. Yeah. Yeah. So again, this ties in with this nicely. What is going on with Essendon? Yeah, that's a really interesting So one. we obviously have, as you mentioned, many business interests in this space there isn't a day that goes by in the last week and a half that we don't get somewhere between three and a dozen requests a day for Essendon cards. Yep. After last year, not being able to, you couldn't give away a Jake Stringer show stuff. Like yeah. 300 bucks. I think they were. Yep. Um, Essendon cards with an absolute toilet. Now, shit a brick. Yep. Like, the cards we we have none we've been cleaned out yeah you know dps's in particular are going mad yeah you know what has changed with essendon to suddenly have this huge shift of people wanting to buy their cards 
it's it's a strange one because it's not like they made the finals. So I, I I don't really know what's going on. Maybe is there the view that Essendon has play a final? Is there the view that no, they didn't? Have, have, they've hit a bottom and they're bouncing off the bottom. Yep. So they're starting to come up. As we know, this is how things work. As you know, as fans and supporters of footy clubs and sporting clubs, as they have rebuilds and and come off a bottom and start to swing up. You see that reflected in merchandise buying, memorabilia, and of course, trading cards as well. Yep. Are we seeing that happen with Essendon? I don't follow them, so I don't, I don't really know. But I'm seeing Essendon cards, as Trent, I think, just mentioned in the comments. Essendon DPSs uh, seem to be some of the most desirable in the series, hitting higher values than Hawthorne DPSs, which or is Richmond. You know, but is that also a reflection yeah. that Hawthorne, the expectation from Hawthorne is not to do well over the next few years now? Are they in a rebuild stage? Saints cards seem to be pretty hot at the moment. Yes, there's a janky tax being applied. I'm well aware of it. But there's genuine, a lot more support for St Kilda and St Kilda cards now because we believe we're going into a future strong period. You know, Carlton seems to be back on the up after his... So so, so let's put aside the tax bit for a second. Yeah. You know, there's lots of comments. I can't put them all on screen, but everyone's talking about the, the good players and the good kids that Essendon has. Yeah. I would argue, though... Good players are not defined in five to 15 games. It's still very early yeah, days. Yeah. There's plenty of guys that play a hot season, play their role. You know, some of these guys might be absolutely superstars. Yeah. But as someone, I was just going to say that, Captain McGrath, you look at Port the year before, absolutely. Rosie, Butters, all those guys who are have probably proven themselves and Port has grown. But Essendon have jumped from bottom tier in collecting or yeah. or bottom of middle yeah. to there now a top tier price. Yeah, they've moved back up and they were, li- they were like that a, a decade ago sort of thing as well. Like oh, that, I feel like yeah. that three years ago. Yeah, and that's it. They, they hit a bottom, they come back up. Melbourne's in the same boat as well. Port Adelaide, St. Kilda. But none of said, Essendon's jumped The all. doggies, it's interesting, the doggies were, didn't have huge value. They won a grand final. They went up massively yep. and they started to taper off in value. All of a sudden, now they're back right up in the value range as well. You're seeing Collingwood dip off. You've seen Hawthorne dip off. You've yep. seen Richmond dip off. Aside from Dusty cards holding the, holding that in the yep. market, you're seeing a huge shift going on at the moment of, of teams and collector bases and interest in those teams. But what we're also seeing now is traditional team set collectors also collecting players from other clubs. Yeah, which and, is, and, dri- and is driving it. And as a well. few people are saying that now. It's all about the speculating. Yeah, People are trying to speculate. Stop pumping the bombers. I'm not <laughs> pumping them. I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. Like we, <laughs> All I can say is, you know, how we see in our day-to-day of our business, the demand that, you know, I think that was Oren. It was Oren. So they comment. I mean, Oren comes into our, uh, our shop to do click and collect. And every time he gets to the roller door, he's like, what other Essendon do you have? Yeah, we keep telling you, sorry, Aaron, you can't take the Essendon. Yeah, and, you know, Tom Healy, obviously, at EJC, is, you know, a big Essendon collector as well. There is a genuine um, a genuine demand on this, you know, which has been a huge swing in 12 months, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Essendon's a big Melbourne club. They're moving in the right direction. There's lots of good things happening. Yeah. But it's certainly caught us by surprise a little bit. Um. Yeah, that, Captain Moore, good comment there. Col- throw that one up, man. Col- collecting players from other clubs to get trade bait for future releases. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know people are definitely being a lot more conscious of having a bait box, as Bodie Brown would, you know, yeah. fashioned. Having those cards that if you need 
cards for your team, you've got that ammo well, and if, that equity. If, if the expectation that the market continues to rise, more people participate, yep. means there's higher upwards financial pressure on cards, cards start, start to cost more money, well, the natural way to combat that is to build up trade inventory. Of course. Based on the current day's dollar versus versus what the dollar value is in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been a huge advocate of that for, for a couple of years now already, seeing the trends in the market that everything's just, the upward trajectories are so significant. Of course. That the value of cards will just keep going up. So what you acquire now, pending everything doesn't fall off a cliff, which we certainly don't, oh, I don't think it will. The value of cards now is going to be significantly less than what they are in the future. So as a result, if you can have some things up your sleeve, that'll help you out in the future a lot more. Absolutely. You know, I've got also, as you know, as lots of people know, I have plenty of non-saints and saints supremacy, which I've been holding since 2019, waiting for the next supremacy to come out. Because exactly as you said, that booklet could open up at $5,000 and then what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just take them off the printing press. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but you're absolutely spot on. And, you know, I certainly know I've been very fortunate to put together a Richmond Supremacy set and you were able to help me with quite a few holes in that set. Yeah. Because you had that Richmond back catalog. Yeah, from the back catalog, yeah. Um, so absolutely having that ammo of premium cards. Yeah. And that's why I noticed that you see the pricing of some of these things, whether it's influentials or jewel sigs. Yeah. People are trying to fire sale cards that aren't their PCs. Yeah. I mean, some of those are going to give you some great upside for trade later on. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. If you don't need to sell it, look into the future. Talk, you know, yeah. Um, Talking about fire sales. Yeah. Should we have a bit of a chat about what's going on with the price of these cards, where they opened, where they're at, and where we think they could be going? Um, yeah, let's do it quickly. So yeah. f- first of all, Okay, well let's 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 look at a couple of cards in particular. There's no point us going through the whole range. Of course, right? um, the specialist cards. Yep. Okay. Um, what do you think of that card, and what would you compare it to in previous releases? So I'll just put it straight out there. That is the card that aesthetically I dislike from the series. It's probably the only card I don't like. Only subset I don't like in the whole series. To me, it. Uh, I see what they were trying to do, but I think the colourful nature and the popping nature of it makes it look to be targeted at maybe a, a younger sort of person. So I know I said to you, AJ, earlier that I sort of look at that card and say, if you take the number away, it could be the high end insert of a Series 1 release. Which so is 40 yeah, sales. Yeah, exactly. Now talking about rarity of that card, well, the specialists are directly comparable to Brownlow Boat Leaders or Brownlow Boat Getters from Prestige. Yep. They are a box hit. They are number 280. And the player quantity is similar representation to what it was in those other releases. Uh, I still maintain that Brownlow Vote Leaders and Vote Getters, based on the fact that number 280 have always been undervalued. And I think time will tell. Probably another 12 months' time, you'll never find any of those cards. They'll be worth hundreds. Yep. Um, specialists. They opened up what in the 80 to 120 sort of region. Mm-hmm. They're now sitting down in the 40 to 80 sort of region. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's probably about right. Um, where do they settle? They settle at the same sort of range as Brownlow Boat Getters and Boat Leaders. That's well, that's right. You know, the, where they're currently ranging, they'll probably hit a little bit of a bottom in the coming days, and they'll start to bounce back up. Six months time, the fact that their number to 80 starts to kick in, and they go up in value. Yeah, I think that, that what they tried to do, you know, I look, I don't mind the card. Um, it's certainly not my favourite card from the series. Um, 
the player selection is pretty strong for all the teams, yeah. which is a tick. Yeah. Um, whereas the Brownlow vote leaders and Brownlow vote getters, I mean, there's some really questionable players on there. Yeah. Um, so I think the it's a tick like that. The execution of the design, I tend to agree with you. Mm -hmm. um, the pricing is crazy. And I can only speak of, say, Dusty, for example. Yeah. You know, seeing Dusty specialists selling for $400, $600, $700, I mean, now you can't get $350 for them. But the fact that people were buying them at those prices in the first few days, yeah. I'm like, I've got a pile of Dusty Brown getters and leaders. Yeah. Does that mean they're all worth four or five hundred dollars? But that's account? again, that's the whole thing. Is that, does it mean the current cards are overvalued or undervalued against the market? That's a good question. Like, oh, are the current cards overvalued and the previous cards undervalued? Or what? Okay. Do you know this what I mean? is like, your statement. What, what, what yeah. do you think? It's really hard to say. I don't know. <laughs> it's in the eye of the beholder. What do people like? If you're a team set collector, well, it's all about the numbering. It doesn't matter what the card looks like because yeah. you still need it. So the most important factor is how many are there and how hard is it to get my hands on it? Yep. If you're someone that cares what the card looks like, well, presumably it's not in the top cards that you, you would want to collect. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's no secret. I mass collect certain types of cards and certain players. No. The specialists are not one that I'm choosing to do because they just don't excite. It, it just doesn't excite me. Yeah. It doesn't excite me. I'd rather go multiples of the parallel. So let's have a look then at one of the big changes in the Series 2 release, yep. which is the All-Australians and the medal cards. Yep. Now, we've obviously cried out for a year that we wanted those cards numbered. Yep. Um, first of all, the medals. Um, the medal numbering, which is numbered to 50, I believe it is. The medals are 50, 50. All-Australians 60. Yeah, we'll do yep. medals first. Um, I think they've been numbered well, maybe a little bit short. They could have been a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. But... Cards like that, especially the Dusty one, I love the Dusty Metal card. Yeah. The number to 60, you know, they're probably a $1,000 card, $1,200 card. I love that. Yeah. Let's look on the other scale of it. Is Caleb Sarong and Lockie Neal, who has two cards, mm. we'll put Tom Hawkins aside for a second. Mm -hmm. Where are cards like that going to sit number to 60, which effectively are one in three case hit? They're number to 50, number to 50. 50 sorry, 50. Yeah, yeah, one in three case hit. Well... Obviously, numbering is low, but you've got to offset the numbering for those against the collector base. Yeah. You know, obviously, Brisbane and Fremantle both have much lower numbers in terms mm -hmm. of collector bases. As a result of that, the rarity of the numbering doesn't factor in as heavily. Once you take away full master set collectors, you've probably only got really a handful of team collectors for each of those. Let's be generous and say you've got 10 to 15 teams, full proper team set collectors, which are, I probably don't even think exist, to be honest. Yep. So the numbering of 50 is probably not such a big factor on those as it is for the Dusty, for example, where you've so, got Dusty collectors, Richmond collectors, everything else. So the 50 becomes real, the print quantity, the short prints are really prevalent. So do they become a two, $300 card or is there upside later on for those, for those teams? Uh, there might be future upside if the AFL's membership base and therefore the supporter base and collect the base for training. And the team has success. Yeah, and the teams have success, then yes. Um, ultimately, uh, look, probably compare those to, to something like the dominance cards from dominance, from the lesser teams and lesser players, where they just haven't really held or gained value over time. Number 60. Yeah, they were numbered to 60. Yep. And the 10 is pretty negligible with those sorts of teams anyway, it's irrelevant. Okay. So I, I, I don't... 
yes, they are very rare cards, one in three case hits. Will a Lockie Neal medal card ever be worth $1,000? I don't believe so. Because yep. if they are, then it means certain other cards are going to be worth tens of thousands of dollars, you know? Yep. So, uh, yeah, so what about so. someone like Tom Hawkins? And this is a rare situation where we've got a Tom Hawkins medal card number to 50, and we also have a Tom Hawkins influential number to 40. Yep. All right? The Tomahawk influential is sort of going around six, seven, eight hundred dollars at the moment. Mm-hmm. The medal card, I mean... That being, let's say, a five hundred dollar card, there feels like there shouldn't be that much difference based on numbering. The metal is actually almost rarer and harder to get. Like, I'm, does that show that people don't support the notion of the metal cards? The short, the the, the nature of short print metal cards. Maybe. Um, it also, I think, probably influentials since they first came out in twenty seventeen were always a super, super desirable subset that it was one of those very important cards that if you could only have one or two of the big cards for your team and influential and like a future Hall of Fame, that they were the cards that that you wanted to get. You know, we've only seen the rise of these other things in the last couple of years, these other types of, um, you know, I don't even know how to call it, incredible cards, like some more... Significant we'll, cards, we'll ask yeah. you a loaded question. Yeah. Do you think there is scar tissue from the perceived metal cards in the past that were almost kryptonite in a box to now absolutely, re- you know, relatively yeah. rare because and it was desirable? because it was always generally a situation where if you got a metal card, you weren't getting another case hit, and because the metal cards were never numbered, there's been a, a deep seated psychological impact in people's minds. That because they were never numbered like case hits, it what it wasn't an alternative to a case hit. It was a case hit, or or a shit. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, let's be honest. That's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, you get a case hit, or you cop a metal card, and if you cop a metal card, it's shit. It's a dud box. Yeah, that's a dud. Yeah. But if the metal cards were numbered through and through throughout a period of time, they would have been viewed as case hits, which is ultimately what they were. They were just higher numbered case hits because there was less variance. So I then use this to pivot across to the All Australian cards, which again is another card that we've talked about for a while, screened out to be numbered, numbered to 65, star players, not all teams represented. Yeah. These are a card, personally, that I think some of the prices I'm seeing for them are crazy. In terms of too low? Too low. Yeah, agree. Tell me how Christian Petrarca, okay, who is probably going to be a premiership player in a few days' time, mm-hmm. even if he's not. He's made a grand final. He's going to make it a runner at Brownlow. How is that a $150 card? Well, that's a good question because ultimately, so two per case, 22 pl- players represented. As a, Okay, so the, the closest comparison is going to be a high flyer in yep. recent times. High flyer dominance 2020, high flyers two per case. 18 teams represented. Mm-hmm. So there's only four more variants of this card. Yep. The pricing of them should be more in line with the high flyers. Um, however, the difference is they're all modern day stars of the of their clubs for whichever clubs they they play for. Yep. There's no beating around the bush because they're all Australian status. So yep. they're there. They've got the achievement. They're all elite players, we'll call it. Yep. Um I think. There's been some great bargains to have been had. Yep. 
and I think across all cards, there's been all, all subsets in this series, there's been great bargains, such such as the nature of price waves and how it works. Yep. Are they a sleeper or a creeper? I think they will be. Will they dry up quickly? I think they will start to. In nine months' time, will you be able to find those cards for the prices they are now? I definitely do not think so. Yeah. Okay. So is is this again some of the scar tissue of effectively a absolutely, card that absolutely. used to be six per box or five per 100%. box? Bit of a throwaway card. 100%. I mean, I've got a pile this big of dominance all the time. And to be honest with you, I don't think these cards should have been numbered to 65. They shouldn't be two per case here. They should have been like a six per box hit or something like that. Even if, a, and numbering them, numbering them much higher. Like 300. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. 200, 300, 400, whatever it was. Yeah. Even if you, even you know, I would have preferred that you get two numbered cards in a packet, you know, in ones that had these. So you might end up getting a certified 455, uh, <laughs> otherwise known as an optimum plus. Yeah. And an all Australian you could end up in, in a packet could happen, yeah, yeah. okay? So on that basis as well, and historically, the way things tend to work, uh, I hope I'm not shooting myself in the foot here because I definitely want a couple more Jack Steels. <laughs> the All-Australians, no matter what happens, if they move forward and they continue with doing them as cards number to 65, cool. Well, they've got the appeal. They're short print cards. They're two per case hit. If they go back to mass printing All-Australians, well, all of a sudden we're sitting on the cards that in the... 30-year history of select trading cards, the one time they numbered all Australians, or short-printed all Australians, we were fortunate enough to be around to get them. Yeah, okay, good Which, And that will mean that the value and the scarcity and the interest in them will absolutely go nuts. Yeah, and I'm certainly not sitting here going, I think Petrarca should be a $1,000 card. But I definitely think at $150 seems true. It, it feels cheap against the market. And again, we're seeing a situation, make no mistake about it, there are waves. Some people didn't want to talk about it the other day, but the reality of it is people go out, they spend a lot of money, they buy boxes. Yeah, whether they use Afterpay, they use their bank account, whatever it may be, who, who cares? That doesn't really matter. They buy boxes. You have an amount of time where you want to get your money back. One, get money back for what you've spent. So you're opening those boxes and you're getting cards out of it. You want to then get money back for one, what you've initially spent, but more importantly, you need money to then purchase the cards that you want if you're not getting the trades done. So as a result, the selling pressure kicks in. As the prices get cheaper and cheaper, people come in and buy those cards, whether they're collectors or other people that can afford to buy and sit on cards. Mm -hmm. They buy up all the cheap stuff, they bargain hunt it, and slowly cards become more scarce. There's always going to be outliers both ways. There's always going to be cards that no one wants. So there'll always be plenty in abundance and they'll always be cheap. And there'll always be the cards that don't actually get cheaper. But right now, make no mistake, we are right, in my opinion, in the peak of the sell-off. Okay. We are in the peak of the sell-off at the moment. I said it to you a couple of days ago. I said it to some other people a couple of days ago. My forecast from this is my personal opinion based on what I look at and how I see things, and I think you tend to agree with me because we look at the same data points. <laughs> Two days ago, I said I thought we were somewhere around four to seven days away from the bottom of the market where we see the median price hit its absolute bottom. 
before it starts to really take off. I think prices started very, very high, higher than what we even expected. The prices have now dropped to the low end of the range that we thought they would get to. They're going to bounce off that low end and they're going to go right back up to the top end of the range that I think we thought they would be. Yeah. So let's look at another end of the scale and we, we're not going to go through it and we, I'm conscious of where is the hour mark. So let's look at the influentials and in particular Sam Walsh. Yeah. So right at the start of the release or when we were looking at the checklist, we flagged Sam Walsh was probably the number one influential to put yeah. your hands on. Yeah. Um, you know, Norton looked big, Petrarca looked big, Cochin looked big. Yeah. But it looked like Walsh was in a league of its own. Fair to say, in a little bit of an Essendon-esque kind of situation, Walsh has gone through the roof. You know, we were lucky enough to pull one here at work. Yeah. And again, it's something that we get daily messages about. Straight off the bat, people were offering us, I wouldn't even say the numbers, but but what I would class as silly numbers based yeah. on our price expectations. Is Sam Walsh a combination of Carlton collectors thinking he's great, speculation of a third-year player of what he could be, yeah. scarcity of a card All number of 40, as what has accelerated it to be, you know, a 15, $2,000 card? Yeah. Because how is a Luke Hodge that is incredibly hard to find a $2,000 card or, a, you know, $3,000 now, if you can find it. Yeah. How is Walsh pushing up that close after only being a third year player? Yeah. So Walsh, you're seeing a few things is one, you're seeing cult following within the collector base. So you're seeing genuine collectors really want his cards. But does that mean you're seeing not necessarily Carlton collectors? No, I'm saying so in my opinion. So you've got genuine Carlton collectors who really wants Sam Walsh cards. He's a superstar of the club, superstar of the future, yep. probably outperforming his age his age at the Absolutely moment. Absolutely is. Like statistically, way outperforming where he should be at his at his age level yep. and at his, like, in terms of, like, development. And then you've got the big speculation play underway here. You've got all these people who have seen what's happened to Dustin Martin's cards because he's become this, you know, one of these... Goats and and whatnot. No, he is the goat. Yeah, so yeah. he's your goat. There you go. He's no, no, goat. My, no, my okay. goat. We'll, the goat. We'll put him with your cow and your horse out the back as well. <laughs> okay. So what you've got now is all these people going. Well, who's going to be the next one of these Dustin Martins? What's the next guy in two years' time? What can I buy now that's going to be big in two years' time in terms of value? Sure. What can I do that's going to get me cards that I want in the future for my own team? And it's not just Sam Walsh they're doing it too. Sam Walsh is the most prominent one at the moment, but there's plenty of players that this is happening to at the moment. So let's have a look at someone like Max King. Yeah. All right. Now, you know, another little, you know, I guess something we need to talk about. Um, clearly, there was a bit of a blunder with the Max King influential. That's correct. Um, being the fact that influential wasn't actually printed on the card. Yes. Um, it is all 40 of those cards, just to confirm with everyone. Yeah, it's the whole release. It's, yeah. the, it's the whole release of the Max Kings. It's all 40 of them. It's no other influentials. Do you want to explain the technicality behind it? Yeah, so when they print a sheet of cards, um, it's done like a big sheet. Large format sheet. Yep, and it so goes it through a roller and it gets pressed. For whatever reason, the guy that was on the Max King page that day has gone for a smoke and 
yeah, yeah, mate, that's done, and just chop them up and put them in the hopper. Yeah. And then they've got the same. They got through without getting the foil press on the front. Yeah. So you now have a Max King card that doesn't have influential on it, which Max King alone was going to be a speculated card. Yeah. Do you think now that there is a genuine, whether it's an error card, a misprint, or the fact that all 40 of them are the same, it is the card, has that created some more hype and hysteria for a card that really traditionally should be three or $400? So no different to the Josh Diakos yep. situation. The card has been printed in full as an error card. Yep. There isn't one out of 40 that's an error. All of them are an error. Selectors obviously come out and said that they'll replace them. Is that right? Yeah, that's been yeah. announced officially. On so the selectors website. officially yeah. announced they'll replace anyone that wants a Max King replaced, yep. and they can do it with a three-day turnaround or something like that. Something yeah. insane. Like I, I sent them an email today, and I think they said that it's it's the cards are almost already been reprinted. There you go. So, so I think it, it can be done pretty much straight away, which is really cool. So obviously, what selectors gone and done is as soon as they've realised that there was an issue, which was day one, they've they obviously they gone. And got a guy. Yeah, got a guy. Basically reprinting a guy, it. And they've reprinted the whole run. So it means they have all 40. Yep. So if all 40 out there, whoever ends up with them, want them replaced, you can get them replaced. The question is, if you have one, do you get it replaced? Well, if you're me, you've got to have at least two. You've got to have one how it is and one to be replaced. Yep. So if, so, so if you're a team set collector yep, or a card... Yeah, both. It's two cards, it's isn't it? It's two cards. It's two cards, yeah. It's because, because they're doing a replacement... There's two cards. Yeah, that creates. It means there's two cards. Which whether, is exactly whether there's with the 25 of one and 15 of the other, or five and 35, or 20 and 20. No one will ever ever know. No one will ever know how many errors and how many reprints will ever be in existence unless Select releases that information. Sure. Well, I mean, they're going to. That does not mean you should push up the price if you're currently holding one <laughs> and you're trying to sell it. That doesn't mean to value it up. But, but naturally, that's going to happen though. Because yep. the same thing happened with the Diarcos and the Dacos, that suddenly every Collingwood collector wanted one of each. So it went from being a $30 card in Oren's case yeah. to $150 or $180 card. Yeah. So straight away overnight, people wanted, you know, there wasn't 170 of them. There was right. effectively 85. Or whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everyone wanted two. All the Pies collectors <laughs> wanted two of them. Absolutely. And, then, and then people who think Dacos is going to be a superstar and just wanted his bank card, they want two of them too. Yeah. So same things happen. Yeah. No, Glenn, I don't think they'll ever do a one-on-one. We've talked about that heaps. It's one-on-one just doesn't really work in AFL. And if that, yeah, I, I certainly don't support it. Again, like I've said, I think 25 at the moment is the lowest you can really go. You know, we've seen AFL releases at 20 and some cards to number to 10, or those stickers number to 10. Yep. And it's it, it, even that a decade ago seemed to be too low numbered for what the market could handle. And I think I've jokingly said maybe to you is, I would like to pull a dusty one-on-one in a packet. I don't want to be chasing to buy a dusty one-on-one. It just, I don't know, it would be but the same way that the cost to do sets and like for this release, especially with so many numbered cards, just like some people are deterred by by that because it's going to cost so much more to do it mm-hmm. and it creates a barrier. So they have to either, they bail or they have to change the way they collect. Sure. One of ones would have such a broad impact across the whole hobby. It's not, one or two people going, well, I can't do this anymore. It's everyone going, well, this just kills my collecting. All right, let me just move off this because sure. I, I, we're at nearly 70 minutes, so I yeah. want to wrap it up. The last thing I want to talk about is the dual seeds. Um, one of the great things that they've done, not only with the mirrors, but also the metal cards, is they've put a great protective foil on it or protective layer on it. 
So, you know, what is a very nice shiny card has some protection now, which in the past we saw what happened with the Silver Showstoppers. They get scratched and yep. buffed. So that's a great tick of what Select have done. Um, don't really need to talk about pricing because I think that's starting to settle at the moment. Mm -hmm. They're pretty crazy outside the gate. Mm -hmm. But the redemption process. So Selective announced on their website, which you can see on the FAQs, which we posted on Card Authority the other day, that there seems to only be about half of them that are in progress. Yeah. And there seems to be a trend of the Victorian-based clubs that it's still TBA. Now, I've reached out to Select for an official comment. They haven't got back to me, but joining the dots, I'm guessing this is just a COVID pandemic issue. Yeah. Is that what you're sort of thinking is why the Select represent representative hasn't been able to go and physically sit down with a player? Yeah, so my understanding with Select as well is you know, certain instances they send things out, but for the most part, they like to physically go. I believe Grant goes. Yeah, to so Grant, Grant, Grant Copley goes and physically sits there with the players when they sign. Yep. And even when they send them out, they send out very specific instructions, you know, don't stack cards, all those sorts of things, yep. which, you know, so for them, as much as some people may criticize quality control and stuff like that, I think they go to the nth degree to try and make sure that their signature cards are the pinnacle of their product yep. and are all done properly. So I think it's probably fair to say that, as you said, the Victorian clubs or the clubs that are in the areas which seem to be impacted by lockdowns. Yeah, it's definitely caused problems there. Yeah. So look, I believe you can send them in now um, and they will redeem them as they come in. Um, I think a few are getting close from what my understanding was. But look, check the select website. There's an FAQ up there about when it can be redeemed. And additionally, it's also information about the Max King changeover yeah. as well. So if yeah. you want any more information about that, check the select website. Yeah. Um, How much product do you think has been open so far, AJ? Um, without looking at any data, I would say somewhere between 45 and 50%. I tend to agree with that as well. Yeah. I think there's a lot still to be opened. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people have been concerned that they're missing out or they're going to miss out. I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. Yes, there's been a big rush of stock being open to begin with, but I think this is going to keep kicking on for, for a little while now. We certainly know that, you know, we obviously buy boxes on the secondary market. Um, you know, every day I seem to be finding avenues for more boxes, which yeah. makes me think there is still plenty out there. Um, you know, I think a lot more is going to be opened in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Grand final, end of the season, all that kind of stuff. I think yeah. there's going to be more opening. Um, it doesn't feel like it's opened as fast as it was with Prestige. Prestige that felt because like it was a more accessible product because the <clears throat> price point was less. I think has a lot. Well, I think the product's that. just as accessible, but yeah, it doesn't hurt as it much. Doesn't, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It doesn't impact as much, and the cost of the singles isn't isn't obviously as high as what it is for this release. Yeah, absolutely. All right, look, no unicorn this week. Um, get your unicorns in at cardauthority.com.au, and we will start looking at not only Prestige unicorns but also Optimum unicorns. Yeah. So that'll be back next week. Um, we've got some exciting news to announce next week as well. Yeah. You know what I'm talking the about? The Card Authority news? Yes. Okay. Um, well, we'll save it. There's going to be some... We, we, there was a little couple of images leaked out a couple of weeks ago. There was. If you did see those images, they were real. Yeah. So, so Card Authority... We're going we're gonna to do a special episode next week. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a normal episode, but we're going to talk a little bit about 
card authority slabs. Yeah, the CA slabs, if yeah. anyone has seen those. So stay tuned for that. We know a few messages and stuff have been going around. You're gonna see more, you're gonna hear more about that next week. Also, there's obviously Select's next release should be next week as well, which is gonna be uh, supremacy. No, no, no. <laughs> well, if they, Joking, drop, if they drop supremacy on us next week, then yeah, I think a lot of us are going to be uh, pretty broke. But uh, obviously, there'll be we've got the premiership coming up this weekend, so there's always the premiership. Oh, the, the platinum the, premiership, the, set. Yeah, platinum, of course. Platinum yeah, they're going to get announced. Well, I mean, with platinum I, gold, I assume not the variation. Right. So, yeah, I would like to think that those will be available next week. So, either Melbourne, about that. that's going to be good. Yeah, so either, either Melbourne or the doggies. We'll have some more cards to collect next week. And of course, uh, everyone will be looking forward to the Premiership Redemption cards oh, as well and what, and what those are going to yield as well. And I'm sure we'll hear out pre pretty soon about the signers and everything for all and those releases. surely we're going to be close to seeing a Coleman Redemption card You would as think well. so too. We haven't heard much information about yep. that. So hopefully that all comes up soon as well. And then I think like everyone else, we are waiting very patiently for supremacy, but hopefully we get a little bit of reprieve. A little away, yeah, yeah, a little bit of reprieve because I think there's still a long way to go with uh, with Optimum. Yeah, so a big, big few weeks ahead. Have a good weekend. Obviously, grand final weekend. Um, it's going to be very different to a lot of people around the country. Um, good luck to obviously Melbourne and Western Bulldogs supporters. You know, anyone that's in Perth that's going to the grand final. Hope you enjoyed. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, Again, as we always say, it's a stressful time, release time. I, we, as we've said, the sentiment's been fantastic. Keep it up. Keep doing trades. Keep showing your hits. Keep working together. Um, there's lots of fun. This is trading cards. It's great. Everyone get involved at every different level. No Absolutely. one's evil. Breakers aren't evil. Flippers aren't evil. Razzers aren't evil. Yeah, we're all just having evil. fun. We're all part of the ecology of the hobby. Yep. And uh, it's been an awesome 10 days. And... Uh, as I said, I feel like there's been a big turning point in the hobby and uh, amazing times ahead. And we look forward to catching you all again on Card Authority next week. And I'm sure AJ and I will be chatting with many of you between now and then too. Absolutely. Thanks for, Thanks for coming, guys. Have a good night. Ciao.